<laughs> Welcome, Instagram. What's up? It's good to see y'all, fam. It's good to see everybody this year. I think this is my first um, engagement. I'm realizing that it's been a minute since I've really chatted with y'all, so I'm excited about that. Um, as I mentioned, I wanted to do I use a different platform to go live on Instagram, so I'm having to do the old school way where I have my laptop and my cell phone so that I could bring in all of the audiences. So today's conversation is all about the Oscar snub of the Woman King and why I think the Oscars embraced Wakanda forever instead. So I'm gonna jump right into it. I will leave time for questions and comments at the end. If you're new to Colorism Healing, I do like interactive lives, so don't be shy about saying hello, leaving your comments, asking questions. I will get through most of my content and then go back into questions and bringing up your comments as we go. But I wanna start off by acknowledging the fact that the Woman King has received lots of honors, been celebrated and awarded and supported by audiences, by film critics, by you know major organizations within Hollywood, within the industry, including the prestigious NAACP Image Award. Shout out to y'all. <laughs> And yet, despite all of that success, despite all of those accolades and recognition, it did not receive a single Oscar nomination, okay? And that's significant because whether we like it or not, the Oscars are still one of the preeminent organizations or symbols of success within the movie industry. And the Oscars, an, an Oscar nomination, much less an Oscar win, does have an impact. It does influence the trajectory of a film's success, as well as the career trajectories of actors and actresses who are nominated or awarded for Oscars. And so whether we you know, want to recognize the Oscars as being the end-all, be-all or not, it does influence things. And the real reason I'm having this conversation is not because we should seek the validation or approval of the Oscars, but because I feel like the Oscars need to be critiqued and called out for what they're doing. More importantly, the reason I think the Oscars has snubbed the Woman King, and the reason why I felt compelled to start with this live, is that it's sending a very clear message that any film, any actor or producer or director or writer or any project in the film that dares to challenge the white supremacist capitalist patriarchy of Hollywood will not be recognized by the Academy. So if you don't know who I am, I'm Dr. Sarah L. Webb, the founder of Colorism Healing. I have been doing weekly lives for a while and I'm relaunching them this year in 2023 on Mondays at noon. And I wanna kick off with the Oscars because of the impact that the Woman King has had on me, but also because of the legacy of Viola Davis herself. So this is mostly an homage or a tribute to the legacy and the trailblazing work that that film represents, but also that Viola Davis has done in her leadership of making this movie happen. So let's see if we have any comments yet. Has anyone seen the film? Have you seen The Woman King, right? I wanna start off with that because there will be spoilers. <laughs> Thank y'all for the hearts on Instagram. 
Um, I have people watching on LinkedIn and YouTube. Hey, y'all. Hi, Michael. <laughs> Yay. I'm glad to see the fam in here. Coronada Ziegler, PhD, um, says some BS that was one of the best movies of the year. I agree. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think the Oscar snub, in case you don't have time to listen to my full analysis and breakdown of the snub, I think what it boils down to is that the woman king, the snub of the woman king represents what happens when black women dare to choose ourselves. The snub represents what happens when black women dare to succeed without the support of the white supremacist gatekeepers. And the woman king represents what happens when black women dare to be great despite intentional attempts at sabotage, right? And so it's almost as if the academy has said based on the success of the woman king, the academy has said, well, hold up now, dark-skinned black woman. Y'all getting too big for your britches. <laughs> hold up now, dark-skinned black woman. Y'all need to stay in your place, right? Because what you have done and what you have achieved is a direct threat to our identity as gatekeepers and to our self-concept as white supremacist, capitalist, patriarchal gatekeepers. So I wanna break down a few reasons why I think the movie is perceived that way and I, why I think the Oscars are sort of being vindictive and sort of retaliating against the people behind the woman king for choosing themselves as black women and for creating something that is not palatable, that does not stick within the bounds of what's comfortable and what's normal and what's standard in Hollywood. And so my critique and my analysis is based on the film itself. I've already done some of this work last year when the movie was first released, but I'm gonna review some of that as well. But then a lot of my critique of this situation also comes from interviews and what I know has happened behind the scenes in order to get this film made in the first place. And so I wanna start with the film itself. Again, we get an ensemble cast of dark-skinned black women as the principal actors. And the entire narrative is woven around their inner and outer lives, right? Which is unheard of in Hollywood for a film at this level of production for a film that has had this level of global reach, right? Number two, those dark-skinned Black women in the film are honored, revered, respected, loved amongst each other and by other Black men, right? And that's in direct contrast to something I'm going to talk about later. <laughs> Number three, we get to see those dark-skinned Black women in the full range of their humanity. Again, we get to see those dark-skinned Black women expressing the full range of their humanity rather than being watered down or palatable stereotypes or watered down crude and offensive stereotypes, right? We get to see them express a full range of emotions and memories and hopes and aspirations and love and concern and care and fears, right? Uh, number four, there's no sugarcoating the problems and oppressive dynamics of Africa. And this is a hard one for people, but we can celebrate Africa and be proud of our African ancestry without pretending as though Africa is a utopia, as though Africa has ever had a point in its history where it was perfect and unproblematic, right? And so some of the issues it exposes are things like violence against women and misogyny, right? As well as complicity in colonialism and the slave trade. 
The film, what number am I on? Number five. So the film also portrays the ways that light-skinned and mixed-race people were positioned as a middle class between white colonizers and black Africans. Um, excuse the barking, if you can hear that. <laughs> Six, there is absolutely zero, there are absolutely zero white saviors, right? No white saviors whatsoever. All of the white characters are portrayed as cruel, and there are no characters that white people can look at and feel better about themselves. And then the last point I'll make about the film itself, if you're just watching as an audience viewer, is that at the end, we see black people massacre white folks. And we see black people destroying white folks' property. And we see black people freeing their captured kinfolk. So this film, just in the narrative itself, is already posing a threat or a challenge to what the white supremacist capitalist patriarchal narrative would want it to be, right? Um, again, welcome if you're just tuning in. I am doing a live stream, the first of my weekly live streams for the year 2023. <laughs> and I'm kicking us off by one, paying homage to all that the Woman King represents, as well as the work of leaders, leadership like Viola Davis has done and making this film happen in the first place. If you are appreciating anything you're hearing right now, be sure to like and share this live with someone who might also want to tune in. Hi, Tamika Webb, my fellow namesake. <laughs> Jamila Simmons says, yes, I've seen it. Um, Michael says, oh yes, you know I've seen it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> Michael says the dog is pissed off about the snub too. <laughs> absolutely, because you know, it's very clear and obvious. Even the, the little puppy can see how egregious it is. All right, so to recap, I was just talking about all the reasons why the film itself, um, just the narrative and the content of the film itself, poses a threat to the establishment that is Hollywood, that is the film industry, that is the Academy, right? But I also want to talk about what happens behind the scenes and why that is also a big factor in this snub or this type of um, vendetta that the Oscars has. And this is coming from interviews and articles and things that I've read about the film and what happened behind the scenes. So not only do we have women leading the film in front of the camera, we also had women leading behind the camera as well, right? And some of the other critiques of the Oscars are how women in general, not just black women, were shut out of a lot of Oscar nominations, right? And so um, when we talk about what white supremacist capitalist patriarchy represents in Hollywood, there are intersectional dynamics behind that, right? Because even though we know that women were shut out of a lot of categories, you're more likely to be shut out of those categories if you're a woman of color, especially if you are a black woman. And I also want to highlight Viola Davis's leadership. Again, I see her as someone with this film in particular, but with her entire career, as not just caring about her own career path, right? She's not just in Hollywood and making moves to get rich and famous. I really see her as making an impact in the industry, right? I, I see her making moves and being intentional about changing the game for herself and for other black women who are coming, who are yet to come, really. 
And so I appreciate, even though I'm not even in Hollywood, I appreciate the lane she is working to carve out in Hollywood so that more black women, so that more dark-skinned black women, so that more dark-skinned black women with natural hair and wide noses and full lips can be seen in front of and behind the camera, right? And then the second thing in terms of what was going on behind the scenes is that apparently it was very difficult to assemble a team to create this film because there were a lot of other major players who were afraid to touch it. They were afraid to be associated with it. They were afraid to get on board with it, right? A lot of them didn't believe that a film with all women leads, with all black women leads, could be as successful as it was. A third thing is that a lot of the struggle and fight behind the camera had to do with the fact that the cast was all women. And apparently they really asked and tried to get a male lead or a prominent male lead in the film. And I remember Viola talking about how no, they, they fought to keep it women-centered, right? And then also because these are black women in the leading roles, there were fights about wardrobe and hair, right? And how to keep it as authentic as possible for black women to have scenes where they're braiding each other's hair, right? Or they um, have scenes where they are in intimate spaces and they are, you know, putting on their warrior gear, but they're also wearing beautiful cultural garments as well. And so I think that there's a lot about The Woman King, both on camera and behind the camera, that represented a challenge or a threat, again, to the white supremacist capitalist patriarchy of Hollywood in general, but particularly coming from the Academy, right? And I think it's no coincidence that the Oscars they're also known as the academy when we think about institutions, right, and inst institutionalized systems of oppression and how these things are perpetuated. Um, also, full disclosure, in case you don't already know, I'm not a Hollywood insider, so I'm not, I'm not considering myself an expert on Hollywood per se, but I am very keen and perceptive about analyzing cultural phenomena and the language of narrative and visual narrative as well. So based on the title of this live, I also wanted to talk about the contrast and how the woman king was received versus how Wakanda Forever was received. And I know that a lot of people love this movie. And so this is not a directive on what movie to like or not to like, but I am going to share my thoughts and opinions and analysis of why I think the Academy was willing and eager to embrace Wakanda forever, whereas it did not, it completely shunned, and in my opinion, disrespected the woman king. Um, let me see what comments have been coming through, if any. Lots of people have been joining. Uh, okay, cool. Y'all are quiet on Instagram, but it's the first live in a, in a minute. And I don't know if my usual live fam that used to join me on Tuesdays and Wednesdays are even watching live now. But whoever you are, please say hello. Let me know where you're tuning in from. And let me know if you've seen either one of these movies and if you have your own thoughts and perspectives on them. All right, so the reason why I think Wakanda Forever was embraced by the Oscars in contrast to The Woman King is because it does not challenge or threaten the white supremacist capitalist patriarchy of the academy and the industry. As, much, as prominent as black actresses were in the film, as central as this you know, um, imaginary African civilization is in the film, 
I still think that it's comfortable and it's within the range of what makes the Hollywood gatekeepers comfortable. And there are a few reasons why I think that. The first is that unlike The Woman King, Wakanda Forever was primarily the brainchild and the product of men. So that fact alone already, what we know from the legacy of Hollywood, the legacy of the film industry, the fact that the movie was primarily created by men or led by men in many ways already makes it more comfortable with the establishment, with the status quo of what is going on in Hollywood. But the other thing is that within the film itself, we actually get the message, and this is my opinion, that, you know, Wakanda is actually not so special after all. If you watch the film and if you watch closely, the undertone of the film is, see, Wakandans, Wakandans aren't as special as they thought. And in fact, compared to their lighter-skinned rivals, they're actually kind of weak and feeble and insignificant. And quite possibly their lighter-skinned rivals could wipe them off the map if they really wanted to. If you pay attention to the film, in addition to the misogynoir war that I already talked about in a previous article, right, where you have black women, dark-skinned black women being used as comedic relief, right, their features, their natural features, their physical features being seen as cause for joke, for comedy, for humor, where the non-black women in the film were never portrayed as the butt of a joke. The non-black women in Wakanda Forever were always treated with dignity and seriousness, and yet somehow it was only in the scenes with black women in Wakanda that we had cause for comedic relief, particularly targeted towards their physical appearance, right? And so, yes, there are spoilers in this, but all throughout the film, the dynamic between, in a movie, in a movie called Wakanda Forever, the entire dynamic throughout the film is that Wakandans were held hostage by a seemingly more powerful and larger army. And all the way up until the very end where you have this small, reduced, weakened army of Wakandans cornered by a massive legion of lighter-skinned superheroes, right? And then, to top it off, in a movie called Wakanda Forever, less than 50% of screen time was actually given to Wakanda. Right? So the movie's called Wakanda Forever, but it could have just as likely been called The Rise of Namor, as far as I'm concerned, right? And so it's called Black Panther 2, Wakanda Forever, and yet the primary storyline that's evolving is the introduction of a completely different superhero. And if you look at the origin story from which Wakanda came, right, it's like, oh, you know, this vibranium that we thought was special and unique to Wakanda, well, actually, you know, this other civilization has it too, right? So y'all aren't so special after all, right? So black people, Wakanda, this African civilization is actually one, not as special as they thought, but two, actually quite insignificant and powerless in the face of this other non-black, lighter-skinned civilization. 
I know that might have been hard for some people to hear, <laughs> but I'm setting the tone for how I'm coming in 2023, okay? So I'm going to keep it real with y'all. I would venture to say that Wakanda Forever, in my analysis, is actually insidiously anti-Black. All right, so I know that was a lot. <laughs> so let me see if you all have questions or comments or responses to what I've just said, because I know there might be a lot to unpack. Um, let me start with the comments on YouTube and LinkedIn. I'm going to move my Instagram screen to the side just a little bit. All right. It says, I have a question here. Do you think that maybe another reason it was snubbed is to avoid the supposed controversy of the film? Um, I think part of the controversy of the film is has a lot to do with what I'm saying, with what the, the bullet points are that I mentioned, which is that it is challenging assumptions and norms and perceptions of what's acceptable in Hollywood, right? And what is approved or unapproved of in Hollywood. Because I think the Oscars has enough clout to withstand any other type of controversy. When you have lesser known, less powerful agencies and organizations that are celebrating The Woman King, that are giving it nominations, that are naming it best film, that are naming it film of the year, that are giving it best actress, best wardrobe, all these things, right? So I don't think it's because of the supposed um, also uh, constructed controversy around the film that the Oscars in particular did not even nominate the film for everything, when almost every other organization at least gave it a nomination, right? That's not about, if it was, if it was so scary to touch it because of controversy, then we would have seen all these other award organizations and all these other um, platforms and stuff also shying away from it, also trying to stay away from it, right? But I think the Oscars as the uh, penultimate representation of the industry, of film, right? The ultimate gatekeepers of the industry, I think they are really going off in a different direction from what we've seen, how other people in the industry have embraced it. Uh, Michael says, exactly, it undermines the African mythology of Wakanda and the black excellence was diminished. Yeah. Um, oh, Wayne repping No White Saviors fam here. Hey, Wayne, driving an hour back to home from a client meeting, so can't comment much, but here to listen and support. <laughs> Yeah, No White Saviors. I was talking about how um, that was one of the things Viola said they really fought for in The Woman King was that they would not have any white saviors in the film. And they stayed true to that in the narrative, right? And I was also mentioning how there are no roles in The Woman King where white people can look at it and feel comfortable about themselves, right? Um, it is fair to compare a Marvel production to an independent creation. Yes. In this instance, it is fair because we're not looking at production, right? Because a lot of lower budget, a lot of non-Marvel films are nominated for Oscars. So it absolutely is fair to compare the two things. And also I'm not comparing it based on things that are affected by budget, right? I'm not comparing special effects. I'm not comparing like level of production. I'm comparing the narrative itself. I'm comparing the storyline itself. And that's is regardless of budget. The other thing though is that the, it's because 
Wakanda Forever is a Marvel film. It's because it is a mainstream film, it's produced within a mainstream context that I think they could not go too far in what they do in terms of challenging white supremacist capitalist patriarchy, right? All right, let me go to Instagram and see if you all, what you all are commenting about or asking about. <laughs> Janelle Crush says the rise of Namor. Uh, come through, keep it real. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen Wakanda Forever yet, waiting for it to be on Disney Plus, but I will be watching critically. I've already heard your analysis after it was first released. Dropped Jim. Good to see you. I think I recall you from previous lives. Uh, wasn't a real controversy. They just didn't want to support the all dark skinned black woman film. Let's see. Was that the last comment? Okay, I feel like that was the last comment. All right, any other questions or comments before I let you all go? Um, in the past, my live streams have been like 50 minutes long. I'm going to try to keep them to 30 minutes this year. Um, let's see. Since I wonder if we could take the prestige of the Oscars by creating another award show. Well, there are plenty of other award shows that are... There are plenty of other award shows. There are plenty of other, other awards, right? As I mentioned in the very first little paragraph that I opened up the video with is that the le the legendary NAACP Image Awards, right, gave the Woman King many nominations. And so, yes, we do have alternatives to the Oscars. However, the reality of the situation is that the Oscars is still the most influential award show, right? So I we could create lots of other things that doesn't guarantee that they will outweigh the influence that the Oscars have. And so part of what I was saying in my introduction is that the reason I'm having this conversation is because the Oscars are still, whether we like it or not, the Oscars are the most influential awards circuit, right? And so the Woman King has won lots of awards. You know, the Black Film Critics Awards, I think the Black Real or the Real Black Awards are, I'm, I don't know if I'm putting the words in the right order, but they've won things by like women award shows and um, like Critics' Choice Awards and things like that. And so what I'm saying is that the Oscars are, seem to have a particular vendetta and seem to be that much more unjustified and completely shutting them out from any nominations, right? Because it is critically, it is a critically acclaimed film. It's already proven itself to have the support and the approval of serious Hollywood critics. And so it's unjustified that it would not receive any nominations from the Oscars. <laughs> Michael says, I thought it was going to be a one hour session. No, I got to I got to be succinct this year. I got to be succinct. I'm trying anyway. Um, Black Girl Mystic, so excited you're back. Thank you. Thank you, fam. I'm glad, happy to be back. Um, Jamila Sibbon says, totally agree. The perception of African leaders, culture, and success is always killed off and or undermined. Case in point, why not recast the Black Panther? Yes, we will miss Chadwick Boseman, yet let's keep the story alive. That's a good point, Jamila Simmons. And I heard, I saw that conversation going around. Um, and I wonder if they considered putting Shuri as the Black Panther was their way to recast the Black Panther. I'm not sure about that. But yeah, I think that there's a lot about the way they've treated the Black Panther superhero in general that seems to be inconsistent with what other Marvel superheroes get to benefit from, right? Um, 
Okay. Let's see. There's another Instagram comment. St. Come. Great point normalizing the ridicule of black women. I was singled out at a party for my hair and my GF said, that's black culture. We joke. You're too sensitive. This imagery supports that. Uh-huh. Absolutely, St. Come. It's interesting that, you know, when people say, you know, that's black culture, we joke. You're too sensitive. You know, because so, people say, oh, you can't take a joke. So we're supposed to never just joke. I say, if you can't be funny without being white supremacist, then you ain't funny. <laughs> if you can't joke without perpetuating harmful anti-black rhetoric, then fam, you ain't funny, right? I was literally, me and my family, we tease each other all the time, okay? My family thinks I take too long in the, in the shower, right? They say you take, spend too much time in the bathroom, right? We can joke, criticize, laugh, who high with each other all the time without being white supremacist about it, without being anti-black about it, right? Like the problem is not, you know, because black folks are funny. We are hilarious. We, are, we, have, we do have comedic genius. But to leverage our comedic genius in service to white supremacy is harmful and dangerous and wrong. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, if you can't joke without, yeah. So <laughs> this person is just commenting on uh, YouTube or uh, LinkedIn, I can't tell. It's YouTube. Um, so yeah, I think that the legacy of the woman king is going to resonate and continue to live on despite the Oscar snub. And really that's at the end of the day, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. But the reason why I wanted to discuss the Oscar snub is to highlight the fact that the woman king is trailblazing, right? To the degree that it has upset the academy is a reflection of how revolutionary it actually is. Because if it were just kind of hedging its bets, towing the line, if it had just kind of done the usual thing, if it had played to the normal stereotypes and played to the normal narratives or the acceptable route to production, then it wouldn't have caused so much backlash, right? It wouldn't have made people <laughs> so in their feelings and petty and vindictive. So I'm going to say for your homework, <laughs> if we want to do some like petty homework, what we can do is on March 12th, the night of March 12th, as the Oscars are airing, we can stream The Woman King instead. I think that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> um, and then my affirmation for you all, because you know I like homework and I like affirmations. My affirmation for you all is to follow in the footsteps of Viola Davis and all of the talented, beautiful women in The Woman King and choose yourself, right? Your affirmation for the week ahead is I choose me. Whether powerful gatekeepers see my value and my worth, I choose me. Whether influential leaders in the industry that I'm in want to support me, I choose me. Whether or not people want to gossip and spread rumors about the work that I do, I am choosing me. I choose myself. I don't need you to approve or validate what I'm doing. I'm gonna move forward with what I know I am called here and put here to do. I am choosing me. And so I appreciate 
again, Viola for her leadership and getting this film out to the world, but also all of the many, many talented people who really created a, a legendary work of art. Thank you all for the work that you put in. And thank you for choosing yourselves and not being stopped or um, not being even contorted or twisted into being something you're not in, in order to please the academy or other industry gatekeepers. All right, y'all. I love y'all so much. Thank you for tuning in. For those of you who tuned in live, if you're watching the replay, be sure to like and follow or subscribe on your favorite platform. And I'll be ne back next week with a live stream about why anti-racist work doesn't work without an intersectional framework that includes colorism, okay? So anti-racist work is, has an uptick, which is good. That's great. But for any anti-racist advocates who want to ignore or deny colorism, just know that you're perpetuating the same system you claim to fight. So that's what my next live stream is all about. And I can't wait to see you all there. Same place, same time. Bye. Mwah.